0: I'm Liz Shear's joined with my co-hosts Mary Scott Hunter and Rachel Briers. Hi ladies, I have a juicy story to tell you. Did you hear what Bob did at the Christmas party? Can you believe what our boss is making us do over this weekend? Stacy just said the wildest thing, but this stays between us, okay? I think we've all been tempted to partake in workplace gossip, but studies have shown that workplace gossip kills morale and damages productivity, not to mention how detrimental it can be to trust among coworkers, but it's such an easy trap to fall into. But before we get started talking about how to avoid gossip in the workplace, I want to take a second to thank all of our listeners for their steadfast support over these last several months. Through this whole year with its twists and turns and unexpected up and downs, y'all have really come through to help us keep things chugging along, and your support in every way that you give us support really means a whole lot to us. If you find value in Bell Curve and you love listening to us, would you consider following us on Facebook, engaging with us there, and really keeping this conversation going off of the airwaves? So, first, let's dish about our experiences with gossip in the workplace. Is this Uh something either of you have encountered at all? Is it it,
1: it something that anyone who's human hasn't encountered?
0: (laughs) Uh, Yes,
2: uh, guilty as charged.
0: (laughs) And Mary Scott, I know your situation is a little bit different. Before we really launch into the questions I have, as a compliance officer at your company, how does this look for you? How does gossip in the workplace look for you?
2: Oh, you know, you'd like to think it's different. You really would. But I'm not sure it really is. I mean, I think lawyers, as my current boss is uh, is want to say, and he's absolutely right, lawyers are the worst gossips because we know all this stuff. You know, we're <laughs> we're so terrible about it. I remember I went to lunch. With one, and this wasn't exactly workplace gossip, but when I bought my house, the house I currently live in, I went. I was going to lunch one day with one of the judges, local judges, and judges know everything, you know, because it's the courthouse, and the courthouse is the center of gossip in our in our legal world, and um, it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And she said, "Oh, well, where did you, you know, where did you purchase?" And so I told her, and she said, "Oh, I know that case, you know, that it was sold because of a divorce." And it was a nasty divorce, and there have been some things that happened, and she knew all about it And because she was the judge in the case. um, And it was public record for the record, probably still not a great idea to talk about it. But she knew about it because it had been a court case. And so, you know, it it is obviously we have, as lawyers, we have ethics about divulging confidences. And I, I really do think most lawyers do a pretty good job with that. But still, there are opportunities to talk. When it probably would be more prudent and more correct not to. Well, you're
0: not a defense attorney, so you don't know like literally where the bodies are buried. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I do have friends in low places, though.
1: <laughs> well, to me, it's really interesting you picked this topic, Liz, because, you know, when you let us know this is what you wanted to talk about, I had just finished reading a great Harvard Business Review article about workplace gossip and the article author, Deborah Regal, said when she asks her clients if they engage in gossip, most say, of course not, and are really aghast at the question. But when she digs in and asks about specific behaviors, for instance, mm-hmm. do they ever ask a colleague to confirm their own negative or challenging experience with a third colleague who was not present? Or welcome a similar line of confirmation inquiry, she says, from another colleague about a third colleague who is not present. She says, most admit that this is in fact, quote, a regular part of their daily work life. Regal goes on to write that while leaders and teams might consider this behavior to be innocent, quote, blowing off steam. Or the more strategic quote confirming performance data. She considers it a form of workplace gossip. And she believes that when people stop and think about how often they engage in conversations that, that meet a definition of gossip that she cites from Nancy Curlin and Lisa Hope Peld, that gossip is, by definition, informal and evaluative talk in in an organization, usually among no more than a few individuals, about another member of that organization who is not present. And that when they think about how often they do that, they realize they do it actually all the time. And that, you know, they're contributing to really damaging effects, like you said, like the erosion of trust, hurt feelings, decreased morale, damaged reputations, reduced personal and professional credibility, even increased anxiety, divisiveness, and attrition.
2: Hmm. No, number, none of those are good for the workplace. Not a single one. Well, what are some things that she says
0: helps? Does she give any tactics? Because I have a few and we can run through those too.
1: Yeah, go ahead and then I'll circle back with what she suggests.
0: So the number one thing that I've come across, and that seems to, I've I've employed it a couple times, because let me tell you, I think any kind of workplace, whether you are a self-employed person, whether you are a lawyer, whether you are in a traditional office, I think there is some form of gossip in the workplace that's always going to be present. And I, you you always have to fight it. You always always have have. to fight it. Um, but in my current job, my supervisor supervisor has a very hard line about it. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. (laughs) So there are some things I've had to employ in the last couple of months. Um, And one of the things that I saw over and over again as a tactic that people suggested was to turn it around and say something positive about the subject. Mm -hmm. Gossipers really want to find camaraderie. That's what they're coming to you for. It might be for that positive reinforcement to see kind of where they stand. But misery loves company. And if somebody wants to, if somebody's come to talk to you, they don't want to hear about how wonderful the person that they were just talking trash about is. So turn it around. Say something cheerful and positive. And it kind of seems to get them to stop. It's disarming. Absolutely. It's like, oh, this person isn't going to participate in this gab fest with me. You
1: know what's hard, Mm -hmm. and I'd love y'all's advice about this, is, you know, by nature, I'm sort of a listener. I, I really love to be supportive, and I like to listen. And so it's really hard for me to interrupt anybody on a topic and redirect and challenge so if they're going down any path they want to go down i usually find myself listening and absorbing and asking questions and drawing Mm. it out and unfortunately that means that in many situations i have been the one providing the ear for gossip now Mm -hmm. i might not i might not actually gossip back but i'm not confronting i'm not redirecting the conversation so i'd love to hear your advice about how someone like me, who tends to be a listener, can can be a little bit more courageous about that.
2: Probably have to break the script on that one, Rachel, because it's a that's a a good behavior pattern in most situations. It's a good professional skill. It's a good life skill. You know, I know I, you know I know some of your other friends besides um, Liz and I, and I know they love you for that particular trait. But I do think that if, if you're a bell curve listener, if you're a curvy out there who, has, who does that, who is a really good listener, you do have to be aware that you could find yourself in situations where that skill, that real skill, that real talent can promote gossip. I, I am not as good a listener as, as Rachel But as a lawyer, you do have to do a lot of listening and I'm, I've, you know, I've never been in a workplace where I haven't had a door that I could close because you have to be able to advise, you have to be able to listen, you know, hear all the story and that's part of it. And so I have found over the years that people come to me because they think they can, you know, they think they can get confidence, you know, because of my, my lawyer ethics and, and we can close the door and then, and it'll, and it diverges it diverges. But I think there's ways, gentle ways to remind them that this is not attorney client. (laughs) You know, maybe you can take that um, as to flip the script or break the script there. Um, But I do think early on in my career, I struggled with how to handle situations where something that would be right in in one circumstance like being a good listener you know maybe at your church or with a friend or with your spouse you know something that would be right in one circumstance can be wrong in another and um for example me closing the door and listening intently and being um you know you know being a a good listener and noting all the details in a attorney client setting is the wrong thing to do when somebody has come in and closed the door and wants to confide in me in order to gossip for the purpose of gossiping. And I, I have to say that early on in my career, I'm not sure I always got that right, but I, I think, you know, as time has gone by, I figured out some tricks to just kind of break the, you know, recognize it and then break the, break the, break the script, you know, break, break the chain.
0: A thing I've noticed has, has gotten really worse during kind of these COVID times where I'm not in the same office with my coworkers very often. You know, I've, I've always worked from home, but there were a lot of travel opportunities and a lot of opportunities for me to be in HQ for days at a time and to spend a lot of time with coworkers. So the camaraderie that we end up finding tends to be on phone calls. And sometimes those phone calls can slide from strategy into What ends up really amounting to idle gossip way too easily, just because we're we're looking for human connection, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right? And I think that really gets to you know you don't want to be left out. Like if people are gonna if they're gonna get together and bond over whatever, and you're the one who throws the wet blanket and says, "Well, I can't be a part of this." There, it's a very human tendency to be like, "Oh man, but now I'm the outsider. (laughs) I don't want to be left out." They're they're bonding. They're getting closer. And the, the one
0: thing that to that, I just have to keep reminding myself and this sounds like middle school advice, but keep in mind that those who gossip with you are
2: likely going to be gossiping about, about you. you. Too. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know who the, the professionals that handle this, I think really, really well. And if you ever really need some good advice about how to handle it, HR professionals typically know they have a lot of training in how to handle this. And, you know, of course there are bad HR professionals out there and there are, you know, there are, but you know, the, the notion that you can't trust your HR office at your company is, I just, is so sad to me. I, I hope that if you're out there and you're listening and you're struggling with this, HR is a good place to go. You know, if you're, if somebody's coming to you, they can help you with some tactics because usually they not only understand the book answer about how to break the script, you know, but they also understand the inner workings of the company. And so that's a, that's another tip, uh, Rachel, that you might, you might employ. I know you work at a small company, but it's, but that's, you know, for company, for those of our listeners that have HR divisions that they, and I would hope Hope, 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 you you can trust your HR. That is so important. Um, whether it's your lawyer, or your HR, or your spouse, there's some relationships that ought to be trust relationships. And HR is one of them. So that's a good place you can go if you're if you're struggling to break the script, if you're struggling to stop the, you know, stop the um, <laughs> the tide of gossip, then that's a place you can go get advice.
1: Well, and I think what you said, Liz, about, you know, it's middle school advice, but those who gossip with you, you know, will gossip about you. I think where that really hurts is in, it's just in team trust and, you know, just kind of everyone goes into protection mode if that's the culture. And and then maybe even you can't really be your best self because you wonder if I'm authentic, where's, how is this going to hurt me? Is my competency going to be challenged behind my back? You know, all of that. And it, it just, you, you, it really is true. You, you just don't trust people who talk to you badly about other people's professional competency or character.
0: And on that character note, have either of you ever gotten a juicy piece of gossip on somebody's personal life that you really just wish you hadn't gotten? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this oh. has nothing to do with their work. Um, performance, with their work performance, but man, how I don't respect them anymore.
2: (laughs) Well, or, and you just wish you were not burdened with the knowledge, right? You know, that it's a, and, you know, think about that from a, from the standpoint of the person that burdened you with the knowledge, what a piece of, you know, what to bring you, it's like handing you a bag of crap, you know, they just handed you a bag of crap that you have to carry around with you. And you know, shame on them, shame on them. Um, I hope I've never done that. I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, but, I uh, but yes, everybody, uh, you know, everybody has probably done it to some degree. I, I can't think of a specific example, at least not what I'd like to share, but, um, but I do, I can recall the times when I've been handed that, you know, that heavy bag of Crap that I had to carry around now until I could figure out a way to put it down.
1: Well, and the other thing about that is that usually when someone shares something like that, they say, Don't let this influence how you feel about so and so, but blah, blah, blah. You're like, like, Wait, like that's not how things work. Like it will now. it will affect how I feel about that. You know, that's why you need to keep it to yourself, you know. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting because psychology and anthropology research will just show that there's just a bit of pleasure that is is received by somebody who feels like they have secret information and insider information about someone and they, they share it with, with another. There's some, there's some sort of psychological pleasure there. And then as we've already noted, there, there really is that strong human desire to um, bond by talking about frustration about other people or just other people in general. And that can be <laughs> that can really be tribal where, you know, you wanna punish somebody by excluding them from the tribal group. <laughs> But um, I think one tip that I would go back to a book that I've recommended before by Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen, it's called Thanks for the Feedback, The Science and Art of Receiving Feedback Well. And they talk about how to receive, be on the receiving end of difficult conversations, but they also talk about good ways to engage difficult conversations. And if you think about sometimes why do people with the best intentions, all of us included, end up gossiping, it's because we actually may not have the courage or just the desire to engage in a difficult conversation with the person we're frustrated with. So I think that's sort of a a check is to ask ourselves, are you willing to go straight to that person and let them know how their behavior is affecting you? Mm. If you're not why not? Can you, can you flex or stretch or grow that muscle of engaging in difficult conversations? Because that's such a personal and professional skill that we all need. And I will be the first to say, I don't enjoy conflict. I don't enjoy difficult conversations. But that little check does help me. And um, the times that I have stepped into those conversations, and I haven't gone outside Oh, I've been so proud of myself. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, even if the person doesn't take it well, I can still feel so good that I went right to that person, and they can trust and know I didn't talk to anyone else about it. <laughs> and that, to me, is is really my ultimate goal: is just to protect the trust and have um, have people in my personal and professional life know that they they really can trust. Like Rachel's not going to do that, and and so I think. I think that can be a heavy motivation as well Is just, just protecting your own ability to have others trust you. And then lastly, I'll say, and I heard this on a podcast, I can't remember her name, but it was on a StoryBrand podcast with Donald Miller. One of the guests said she takes a, quote, hot mic philosophy, hot mm. mic. She's a former reporter. And she just said, you know, when you think back on, on people who've been on TV shows or radio who've gotten in trouble, sometimes they didn't realize the mic was on. And they said, you know, they said something that was broadcast. And, you know, when you think about even these Zoom meetings, you sometimes don't know who's popped into the meeting already. And just taking a hot mic philosophy that you're always being recorded or you don't know who's actually listening can be a little check as well.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, my check is um, relates to an experience experience. And I think we all have had experiences where we've been the one we've been the bad actor. And I would say that think back to an experience where you've been the bad actor and hopefully that experience wasn't devastating to your career or anything like that, but, but really go back and work your way through that painful experience where you were the bad actor. Mm. And mine um, was as a young lawyer um, first job ever as a lawyer. I was in the Air Force. And um, that boss, I don't know if he listens to our show, but his name is Colonel Norb Diaz. He lives here now. And i th- we would have once a week kind of staff meetings, all the lawyers together and just kind of talk about the things that were going on, whether it was court cases or um, civil claims or Uh, you know, whatever was going on, we would kind of roll through things. There was like a 30, 45 minute, maybe an hour meeting. And one thing that was going on at that time is that there were, there was an organization that we were working with where some of the members of the organization, some of the leadership was easy to work with and some weren't. And there was one over there that we liked working with. And so I ran into that one that we liked working with at the bar, you know, which is the air force way you go to the, you know, you go to the Oak Club at the end of the you know week on Friday and I ran into him and I just complimented. I said, your name came up in our, in our meeting and, you know, everyone spoke really um, positively about you. Well, the antithesis of that was that we didn't, you know, found it easy to work with his colleagues. And so Colonel Diaz found out about that somehow and, and, and called me into his office and talked to me about it. And I was horrified, horrified. Hmm. I was only trying to compliment the guy we liked working with. But of course, in doing that, it was gossip. It it wasn't information that was meant to be passed. That HBR article, you said, uh, Rachel, oftentimes gossip is informal and evaluative. Um, That was definitely informal. It was at the bar and it was definitely evaluative of his behavior, although positively in the And and by, you know, by extension, the behavior of the rest of his organization. So um, I was really, in hindsight, I'm glad I had that experience and it didn't negatively impact my career in, in the long term. But it did, it did, it did send a valuable, it gave me a valuable piece of what I consider a personal skill that carried with me forward. And I'm so glad that Colonel Diaz didn't just let that go by but he really talked to me about what I did, and and he was he took me to task because it it really sunk in that I had done something that no professional should do, much less a lawyer. So, um, and it was gossip. I mean, it was straight up gossip. It was information that shouldn't have passed. It was informal. It was evaluative. It was not information that was meant to go beyond our our lawyer meeting. And um, so, uh, I think that if you have been the bad actor. And the truth is we all have. Evaluate that, that chain of, you know, that chain of really look at yourself and how did it make you feel? Do you ever want to be in that situation again? How did it impact others? Um, and really don't just gloss by that. Don't just say, oh, I'll never do that again. Think about what what happened that got you into that position. What You know, in my case, it was probably a drink, to be honest. You know, I, we all kind of become a little bit more truth tellers, you know, after a drink. So, you know, evaluate what happened to get you there and then break the chain. Don't let that happen again. It is not a good habit. It is not a good practice. It is not a good thing to do. And it will damage you personally and professionally if you, if you don't, um, if you don't stop.
1: Well, and just, I mean, even getting back to the law profession, when you think about how seriously slander is taken, in, in oh, yeah. Law. And and why is that? Because words really do have the ability to just crush somebody and slander and gossip, you know, and I, and I love what you said about we've all been the bad actor. We, ha- we all have been the bad actor. Absolutely. We're, we're all yeah. tempted constantly, again, because it's such a human drive. So, you know, I, I, and I think. To trying to think through what are appropriate means of expressing frustration. And, you know, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts as well, because sometimes I think this happens as well, because you bottle it up, you don't want to gossip, you don't have anyone to talk to. And finally, you yeah, you, you just bust, you know, your head just explodes in this torrent <laughs> of anger, because you never you didn't know what to do with it. So do you all have any like, quick tips on you know what what you should do with your frustration because you can kind I, of, well, can drink, it.
0: before we get into the tips let me just say this is the thing that trips me up all the time because I'm a very auditory processor like I need to say the things that I'm feeling and thinking out and just kind of like see the words in front of me so that I can work through them and I know each of you have been on the receiving end of that <laughs> and it's worse when I'm frustrated and so, and too often that that verbal um, processing can, can devolve into just angst throwing and, and then eventually gossip and, or not gossip, but just saying hurtful things that I don't mean hurt in a hurtful way or saying things that I didn't mean to divulge, but they just kind of came out because I was frustrated and I was trying to process through it. So maybe Mary Scott can help both of us, Rachel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um, little sisters um, I, I, um, I, I think that there's kind of some book answers and some experience answers here. The experience answer tells me that you do have to have somebody to talk to and, you know, hopefully you have a best friend or a spouse, somebody outside of the situation that you can trust. Um, There are some things you have to work through. That's not gossip. That's that because it's not evaluative of anything they care about. Um, Maybe it is an informal setting, but you know, your mom you're, you know, I, I do think it is important to have people that you could trust in your life to work through. If, you know, if not a, uh, an informal relationship that's close, like a, like a family member or a best friend or, you know, a, a therapist too, that's, that's a place to work through some of that. The other, the, the, the other thing to remember, and this is kind of the book answer is that you do have places you can go in your workplace where if there if there really are problems, if there are people that are and there are problem people in organizations, there are people whose personal lives spill over into their work. It makes you uncomfortable in some way. It's it, it impacts your it impacts your work. You know, you're having to pick up and do their job for them. You know, protectionism is bad. You know, and so the book answer there is there are, there's HR, there's anonymous reporting in every business, you know, use that. It's a good system. Anonymous reporting should be anonymous. Um, You you can, if you have general counsel or in-house counsel, you know, if you can tell them um, use your chain, always think of your chain of, of, um, you know, your management chain first, go to your, if you can go to your first line manager, go to your first line. Those are kind of the book answers. And I would say in that situation, it's tempting to gossip, want to gossip about them to get that problem solved, whatever that problem is. But really you need to sit down and think, how do I constructively handle this situation? And it may in fact be talking about them, but that is, that is not the same as talking about them in a way that's informal is evaluative, but with somebody who can't do anything about it. You know, I'd say if you go to somebody at your company who can do something about it, and sometimes those things can be, you know, and let me tell you, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're thinking, uh, if there's something going on that's illegal, immoral, unethical, If you're being asked to do something that you don't want to do because you think it's any of those things, it's not gossip to go and tell somebody that that can do something about it. You should do that.
1: Well, the the last thing I I think can can really help here is and this can help you not be the kind of person who encourages gossip about yourself is to be so open to feedback that somebody who has maybe a little even a tiny problem with something really feels like they could come to you and you're not going to be defensive you're not going to blow up you're not going to deflect blame you want to hear and Mm. you want to ask more and you want you just have a learning open to feedback attitude I think I think when pe- more people will do that, the, um, the desire to gossip just, just really does go down because if you, if you try to go to someone and talk to them about your frustration and they just blow up, they're defensive, it's a horrible experience for you, you're just not going to want to engage in that again, which will, <laughs> which will tempt you to go to somebody else to let out that steam. So I think what we all can do is become people who really, really, really truly are open to feedback.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a really great suggestion. It's not one I'd really thought of, but if you are open, I mean, you, you might not be able to control all the gossip in the workplace, but you certainly can control gossip about you by not, by not being the, the kind of person where you can't receive
0: And that kind of speaks to uh, another tip that I found in an article in Inc that says, encourage positive gossip. The flip side of negative gossip is to create a culture where people share positive stories about work, customers, and culture. And think of examples where peers and bosses can communicate to each other what they feel proud about at work. An example would be an employee going above and beyond and serving a customer, then management sharing the story company-wide and through social media to increase brand value. They're starting morning huddles with positive gossip and reinforcing the cultural values and key behaviors that they want through storytelling. So I think there is a difference in that, and I think that's kind of a form of feedback too. Mm-hmm. Of that way, the story is coming from the source, from the people who know about it, and it's it's a positive reinforcement for good behavior.
2: <laughs> it definitely is, and it, it in a in a good way. Not in a you know in the in the example I gave um, earlier. That kind of backfired, but generally it doesn't. I'd say generally this is a, a way to modify behavior across the organization. And and, and if you find yourself in a, in a situation where somebody's gossiping with you or bringing you something, then you don't want that bag of crapola handed to you. you I think you can kind of use this tip too in that setting where you can say something nice about the person. And it, it, it makes them take that bag back.
0: And then the last tactic that I am, I like this one without, <laughs> without difficulty right now <laughs> is but just, it works. It works. It's just to stay busy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, um, for a lot of us anyway, we're in a, uh, in a environment where there isn't a water cooler anymore to go stand beside there. There aren't those opportunities for just kind of idle gossip because you're all just in in a place together and, and, um, people can see, how busy you are or not. But I've, I've been called by people before who I know that they're calling just to to gab and pick up the phone and say, I'm sorry, I don't have, I don't have time right
2: now. Can can we talk (laughs) another time?
0: And it works.
2: You know, if you think about professionals and professionalism and I think sometimes it's a little difficult now, maybe with COVID and maybe just this day and age, we, we dress our, you know, a lot of workplaces dress less professionally. A lot of workplaces are striving for a more relaxed environment. Um, You know, relax. you know, you know, you hear about best places to work that have margarita Mondays and uh, ping pong tables and, you know, and, and the Google environment of, of no office doors, you know, of a, of a kind of a, you know, a cubicle, open concept office. And, you know, I we just watched the Pixar documentary that's a couple years old now. I guess it's a good number of years old now, but I was struck by how open, you know, the building was and how they just all were constantly kind of interacting. And you now that was meant to foster the creative process. But I still think even if you're in a setting like that, maintaining your professionalism, maintaining the fact that you're busy on your job, I think has... It's really important, even even if a level of informality is valued in your organization, you know, and maybe that's being able to wear t-shirts and tennis shoes, you know, that doesn't mean being informal in your, or unprofessional in your, in your behaviors. It, I mean, all that still has to remain the same, even if you're, you know, even if you have, are allowed to have, you know, do your work on a, on a sofa with a laptop on your lap, it, being a professional, staying busy Um, keeping a professional demeanor is still something that's really important even in that setting
0: thank you ladies so much for your advice your wise counsel as always I love that I have the two of you to be able to go to to just share these things with and know that not only is what I share with you safe that you're going to give me good advice and wise counsel as well Thank you to all of our listeners again for your support throughout these times. Thank you to our our Patreon subscribers for your your chipping in a little bit here and there to help us stay on the air as well. Um, If you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash BellcurvePod. But you know what It means just as much to us is going and following us on Facebook and Instagram and continuing the conversation over there or going on wherever you listen to podcasts and leaving us a review and a rating. It helps other people find Bell Curve and, you know, really in- helps us increase our reach. Thank you so much again for your time this morning. And shoot, shoot, it's not always morning everywhere all the time. <laughs> Thank you again for your time and have a good week.